Welcome, everybody. Uh, I want to begin by asking, uh, what's the most famous announcement ever made by an Australian Prime Minister? Uh, do you remember Gough Whitlam? Well, may we say, God save the Queen. Because nothing will save the Governor-General. Those words are unforgettable. They're etched into our nation's history. Uh, love him or loathe him, he was a leader no one could ignore. And uh, where was Gough Whitlam when he said these famous words? He was on the steps of Old Parliament House. Uh, here in Luke's Gospel, Jesus is going to make a big announcement on the world stage. Uh, but he's not a Prime Minister of Australia. He is something infinitely bigger and greater. He is the Son of God. And so he is truly the leader that none of us can ignore, no matter our background or nationality. Uh, and so with that in mind, let's bow our heads as we, um, as we begin in prayer. Our loving Father, we pray that you would uh, speak to us through your word, that your spirit would be at work showing us the glory and wonder that is Jesus. Lead us in the way of repentance and faith. And we ask this all for your praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we begin, how much do you love Luke's attention to detail? Verse 28, he mentions Jerusalem. Verse 29, those places, Bethpage, Bethany, uh, at the hill called the Mount of Olives. This is, uh, well, if you're church family, you're quite used to me saying, did you know I've been there? And, and that is exciting. What, what is really exciting now is that when you tell me you've been there, uh, so many of you have and that's that's awesome you've visited these places you've entered into this space and now as you read the text your imaginations are engaged in a different way that's very exciting if your name is Niall and you're watching this g'day mate um, condolences at this point you'll get there one day I'm sure but here is the point uh, these are real places anchored in real history this isn't Narnia. I've said this before, but it helps us as we read. Then in verses 30 to 36, he sends, Jesus sends disciples ahead to get the donkey. They find the donkey. He takes it. They put Jesus on it. And you'll know this part of the story too, I think. This is very familiar. And I want to just uh, observe that this is a bit like, I see these verses, I think, well, Jesus gets his clean eastward on which might sound strange to you it's not because he's riding a donkey okay it's if ever you've seen a, a clean eastwood movie the end credits to his movie his his name's on everything clean eastwood actor director producer um i think he's even written pieces of music and here this isn't a, a movie set this is much bigger and all of the credit belongs to jesus he is centre stage and he's got his name on everything because it's his plan, it's his doing. He's centre stage. Notice also this is a long time coming. Although Luke doesn't specifically reference it, Matthew does. Yeah, this is a day 
prophesied about in Zechariah 9. And so in these early verses, see the divine design here. The divine design. See that Jesus, in him salvation has come, that God has turned up just as promised. Verse 37, we'll keep going. When he came near the place where the road goes down, the Mount of Olives. Yeah, yeah, I've walked down that road. It's amazing. Uh, the people are singing. Uh, what people? Who are the people singing here? Can you see it? This is the crowd of disciples. That's important to note. Crowd of disciples. Think the 12, mate, the 70, of course. Why not? And what are they doing? They're joyfully praising God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Uh, these, this mob would be good at a soccer match. They wouldn't be out of place. And if you ask them, who do you sing for? They would say, we sing for the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, in this account, Matthew's gospel will include palm branches in his telling. Uh, Luke uh, leaves that detail out. Maybe he doesn't like hand, I mean, uh, palm waving. Uh, Matthew's gospel will record crowds singing Hosanna, but Luke, well, he's riffing to a different song. He's providing different lyrics, which is okay. It's a different take on the story. Uh, verse 38, here's the song. What are they singing? Uh, Blessed is the one who came comes in the name of the Lord. Matthew has that. But it's the next bit, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. That's specific to Luke. And as you read that last sentence, um, I wonder, have you heard words like it before? Does it remind you of anything? What if I sang glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to whom God's favour rests? Where does your imagination go? That's the angels, isn't it? Angels singing over shepherds. And that's Luke chapter 3. And of course, Jesus does come and he does bring peace on earth, doesn't he? He brings peace for a leper or a paralyzed man in chapter 5 who, who even had the bigger thing of having his sins forgiven. Or at Nain in chapter 7, uh, a, a town called Nain, a widow and her son, the son is raised at the town gate. Uh, that sounds like peace on earth to me. Or peace for the demon-possessed man or the dead girl or the bleeding woman. That's chapter 8. Or chapter 17, the ten with leprosy. Or the blind man in chapter 18. Or peace for the hungry multitude. Didn't they need peace? Or peace for those at sea. Uh, so scared they'll drown. Jesus, don't you care? And of course the answer is yes, he cares. Here's peace on earth. And now, right, right now, peace turns up and he's riding a donkey where the road goes down the Mount of Olives. The whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Think again, back in Luke 3, the angels sing peace on earth, hear Followers of Jesus are singing peace in heaven.
That's curious, isn't it? Gets you wondering, does it speak to the fellowship that we share with a heavenly realm? We don't often think about that, maybe, but here we see just as angels rejoice in the peace on earth, so we rejoice in the peace in heaven. Did you see the lack of peace in verse 39? The Pharisees got their cranky pants on. They say to Jesus, teacher, teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus says, if the disciples stop, the stones will sing out. Uh, that is an epic sledge, I've got to say. See, see if you can grab it. Jesus is saying to them, even that which is lifeless knows life when it sees it. Even though that which is living, you guys, does not. Jesus is saying even an inanimate object understands and gets it, but apparently you don't. Well, that's the kind of sledge that would make the Australian cricket team, wouldn't it? It's so good. But make no mistake... Jesus must be and will be praised despite opposition. That's the point. Or verse 41, we're still about peace here or the lack of peace. As Jesus approaches the city, he sees it and he weeps over it. And so we see a lack of peace on the part of Jesus here. And then what does Jesus say about peace in verse 42? Can you see it? Verse 42, if you, even you, Al, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But you don't. It's hidden from you. It's hidden from your eyes. Uh, the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side they will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognise the time of God's coming to you. And this event that Jesus speaks of, it is recorded in history. Uh, the year AD 70, when the Romans destroyed the temple and Jerusalem, and today you can go there and see it and touch it and climb it. You can walk over the archaeological evidence that's there that speaks as bears witness to this event that Jesus said was, was to come. And why does it happen? Why does it happen? It's because they did not recognize the time of God coming to them. Israel repeatedly have this pattern. As they're exiled, as they're exiled, as they're exiled. And here comes another one. They did not recognize the time of God coming to them. Instead, they thought Jesus was the spawn of the devil, didn't they? And Jesus is saying, if you knew me as God coming to you, then verse 42, you would know peace. But you don't, it's hidden. And so instead of peace, now destruction is coming. Now judgment comes. And there's more to this judgment. So verses 45 and 46, Jesus goes to the temple. He trashes the joint. He's indignant. 
It's Jerusalem. Once the city of God, once the place people found peace with each other and with God, it was the place of the tabernacle and then the temple where they offered sacrifices, where they shared fellowship with God, where they did business with God, where they sought peace with God, where they enjoyed God and tasted his holiness at the temple. And as you think about that, of course, the question then is at this point in history, is God there? Is God in the, in the temple? And the answer is no. History records in Ezekiel 10 that God left the building. He's long gone. So whatever they're doing here, it's curious. I mean, it's a bit like, you know, when you have a conversation with someone and you keep talking and you keep talking and you keep talking only to discover that they've left. Where did they go? They were there, but now they're not gone out of the room or the phone's disconnected and God left ages ago. Which, what, which is what makes this announcement so striking. Because can you see it in this announcement of Jesus that as he enters into Jerusalem, God is coming back. This is his I'll be back moment. He's back. God has turned up. But instead of returning behind the curtain, instead of dwelling uh, in the Holy of Holies in the temple sanctuary, here he comes as a human being, breathing air that we breathe on a donkey. And hear him as he says, as God says, all of this is going to get turned upside down. I'm going to put all this and drop it on its head. And the avenue, the avenue which is peace with God, the avenue of access to God, a holy God, it's going to be destroyed, this temple. But this is where you need to join the dots because the huge irony is this. A week later, Jesus himself, who is our peace, Jesus himself, who is the very Holy One of God, well, he's taken outside and he's destroyed. As he bears our sin, the wrath of God is poured out on him as he goes willingly to the cross. And he does it so that we would have peace. He does it so that at the cross we might be made holy. He does it so that through him we can have access to God and friendship with God. And that's Hebrews 13, isn't it? Hebrews 13 says that we go to Jesus outside the camp. That's where we identify him, not inside the city walls, but outside, willingly bearing the disgrace he bore. And now we go outside, don't we? And we make some noise as followers of Jesus. Here's the announcement every follower of Jesus makes. See it there in chapter 13, verse 15 of Hebrews, that through Jesus now we offer a sacrifice of praise continually. We are the ones singing now. The fruit of our lips is to openly profess his name. What's the fruit of your lips at the moment? 
COVID-19, COVID-19, COVID-19. Make an announcement. Tell people why you have peace with God. Tell people about Jesus, the bringer of peace on earth, the bringer of peace in heaven. See, who do you sing for? We are not inanimate objects. We are Christians, followers of Jesus, who are loved by God, who have a precious eternal hope. We know we've been rescued from God's judgment. We've been saved from this lack of peace. And we can now point people to our great salvation our great saviour that we have in Christ. Let us announce that to a community and a world desperate for the peace that only Jesus offers. And as Hebrews 13 says, let's not forget to do good, to share with others as appropriate in a COVID-19 world. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. That's Hebrews 13. And so here is the, the punchline. Every follower of Jesus is a living, breathing, walking announcement that Jesus Christ has come and that he will come again. We are not inanimate objects. We might be isolated, but we are not inanimate objects. So let us still live lives of praise and thanksgiving to our Saviour, that God might be glorified. Amen.